0: Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin.
1: At the beginning of the final episode of Season 1 of The Mandalorian, we pick up with the two scout troopers who have just apprehended baby Yoda after having assassinated our friend Kuil. They're just kind of waiting around, knowing that they're on a job, trying to retrieve uh, this uh, specimen, this weird creature that they can't identify uh, on behalf of uh, Moff Gideon. And so they're really just kind of some bumbling idiots. They get a couple of pokes in on Baby Yoda. That hurts your soul. And then, uh, thank God, uh, our old pal, the nurse droid, IG-11, shows up, takes out those two scout troopers, and rescues Baby Yoda.
0: Yes, so uh, IG-11 and Baby Yoda go off, uh, and Gideon, we cut back to him, he's taunting Din, Kara, uh, and Grief while they're inside uh, the room that he just shot up. Uh, he says he's going to give them till nightfall uh, before they come out and they can settle this without more... Uh, fighting, um, And then IG-11 swoops in on his speeder, takes out a shit ton of stormtroopers, and a big battle ensues. Uh, our heroes are actually kind of winning, and then Moff Gideon shoots a single blaster at kind of like a power generator on the floor and creates a big explosion that hurts Din. Uh, Kara comes out and she grabs Din, retreats him back inside, and now they're kind of back inside, surrounded, and Moff Gideon sends in the flamethrowers.
1: Right, and this kind of seems like it's going to be curtains for uh, our precious Mando. He's in a lot of trouble, uh, and he's fading fast. Also, he will not allow for his helmet to be removed because he's in the company of people, living creatures, rather, who aren't his family. Uh, So... um, well, I guess first we have another great rescue from Baby Yoda who swoops in at the sign of this giant, the The flame troopers are coming in, they blow a huge ball of fire in at our heroes and Baby Yoda steps in and just brushes it off with his force powers because he's so amazing. Uh, then uh, the, all the living heroes aside from, from Din get ahead so that uh, IG-11 can do some nursing, some necessary nursing. After a, quite a bit of uh, reluctant coaxing, uh, he allows his helmet to be removed and we see Mando's face for the first time. Uh, and he's injected with some back to fluid, which uh, is to uh, bring him back to consciousness.
0: Yes, IG-11 takes Mando underground. Uh, they're navigating in the sewers and they find their way across the armorer. So they find where the Mandalorian uh, underground caves were and there's just a bunch of piled up Mandalorian armor. Uh Din realizes after speaking with the Armorer that by revealing themselves to protect him, he put them all in danger, and the Empire came down and wiped a good chunk of them out. Some may have been able to escape, but it's pretty much hard to tell. Uh, while down there, the armorer gives him a jetpack because I'm sure they've got some spare ones. Uh, he <laughs> refuses she refuses to leave with him, but she sends him on a mission to return baby Yoda to where he came from because it is the way. And in the process, the work that he has done to protect Baby Yoda and the bond that they have forged uh, means that they are now a clan of two with the the signet of the Mudhorn, uh, and then they move on together. Uh, the armor takes out the stormtroopers that uh, come to follow them, but the rest of our heroes uh, follow down the rest of the way in the tunnels to the, the Lava River, uh, and then they break their free on, like, on a gondola boat, and they're heading down the Lava River uh, when they realize they're going to be flanked by some stormtroopers
1: right so their only escape in this lava river has been uh head off by the bad guys and ig11 has the brilliant idea to self-destruct because he has all this internal coding that dictates whether or not um he can allow himself to be captured uh on one hand he also of course has to preserve baby yoda as best he's as best he can that's his first and foremost um uh goal as a as a piece of programming. And so he goes out in a blaze of glory. He uh, sacrifices himself, goes out towards the villains first, um, and he uh, blows up. He self-destructs, and he takes out all the villains with him. And that, of course, gives our heroes the chance to break free. Yes,
0: our heroes come through the other side. They realize they're kind of home free. And then a TIE fighter comes in and starts shooting at them. Uh, Din decides, you know what? Uh, Let's bring some Mandalorian skill to the table. Puts on the jetpack and flies off into the air. Uh, He hooks himself onto the TIE fighter. Uh, He brings out uh, an explosive. Uh, He drops it. Uh, And then he gets one more. uh, And it's uh, a Semtex or Sticky of some sort. And he hooks the... Uh, thermal detonator aboard and then jumps back off with his jetpack uh, blows up part of the wing of the TIE fighter as it goes flying down to the surface and then he goes and lands to meet up with baby Yoda grief and Kara uh, they kind of congratulate each other Kara is going to stick around with grief and maybe do some bounty hunter work and see the town is no longer imperial run so maybe it's not going to be the worst place for her to be Uh, But Din's mission now is to go off with baby Yoda as a family and he needs to to find a place where this child came from, whether that means uh, the Jedi or his species. Um, And then from that point... We cut off to them taking away and then cut to the Crash TIE Fighter where a black lightsaber emerges from the side cutting a, a hole. And Moff Gideon emerges with the dark saber from the Crash TIE Fighter. And uh, we realized that there's a lot more to this story than we uh, at first knew.
1: Yeah, it was really gratifying the way they introduced jedi to the story here in this season finale because they very um very neatly set up for season two that mando's main mission is to find the jedi or or what exists of them at this time because he knows it's most important he get baby yoda or yoda species but it's also it's also or yoda species that's right who and they might be one and the same yeah um but it's also a really healthy reminder i think that uh the Jedi are not a ubiquitous thing in this galaxy. I think it's really easy for a lot of us fans to forget that, that most of these people don't have any idea what the Jedi are. They're just kind of this mythic mystery.
0: Well, the armorer had a line of, The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi that fought with such powers. And so right. Mandalorian doesn't know what it is, but just by the notion that, he used, that Baby Yoda uses telepathy that... The the armor at least has heard that, okay, this thing is probably a force user, um, and then thus maybe a Jedi, because most people would have associated the two as one and the same with them being the only public force users in the last many thousand years, and there's only a couple thousand of them in galaxies of trillions of people.
1: And obviously, we don't know if Luke Skywalker is going to make an appearance in this show. It would be really gratifying if they could find a way to do that. But we do know, and we're going to save this for when we talk about the news a little bit mm. later. But we do know that Ahsoka is going to appear in season two. And and so that's going to have some kind of uh, impact on din's relationship with the jedi baby yoda's relationship with the jedi all of that is going to come to a head in, in probably a really exciting way
0: yeah absolutely i mean yeah we'll get to that in a little bit but it definitely um it could be the kind of moment that's a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of next season um uh, where the character's is introduced maybe we don't really reala- get to, to learn that much um but yeah we'll get to that in a little bit but it's definitely uh i can imagine that ahsoka will only be brought in to either connect with sabine as a mandalorian or for the purposes of training Baby Yoda. And so I think there's one of those two. And if it's the latter, then yeah, that'd be very cool.
1: More what likely is Sabine's than Luke. connection. What is Sabine's connection to the Darksaber?
0: Uh, Okay, yeah, let's get into a little bit more information about the darksaber. So Sabine is uh, a Mandalorian. She was uh, Recruited by uh, the Empire when she was very young Uh, She's very gifted with explosives like she's a little pyromaniac as a kid Uh, And so she was involved in a project that ultimately she helped develop some weapons that they actually used on her own people Um, and so She kind of joined the Rebellion in that fashion, uh, and when they came across the Darksaber as they found Darth Maul, um, when Ezra and Kanan came across Darth Maul uh, on their kind of uh, hunt for holocrons and and whatnot, uh, they stumbled across that way, and Sabine comes across the Darksaber, and the Darksaber was created by uh, the first Mandalorian Jedi, uh, he created and wielded it, and it became kind of a symbol of the leader of Mandalore. It was passed down beyond that point, dissimilar to the way lightsabers were used in the past. It was became an heirloom of the culture almost. And so, the I didn't Darks- realize
1: that Din had a had a, or, or rather, that the Darksaber had a Mandalorian connection. That's very interesting. Will Will our Mando be familiar with this weapon? Do you think?
0: Uh, it's possible, and it would make a lot of sense for The Mandalorian. Darth Maul wielded the Darksaber for a time. Um, Pre-Vizsla, who was voiced by John Favreau in The Clone Wars, was the wielder of it prior to Darth Maul. Um, Sabine wielded it after Darth Maul, uh, and she formed a strong bond with the Kyber crystal because the kyber crystal was not initially found, it, it was initially bonded with the, the initial Mandalorian. And so that's another thing that they've really introduced with Disney's um, version of Star Wars, is the bond that um, Jedi are able to make with uh, their kyber crystals. So the fact that Ray, the Skywalker's uh, saber, called to her sort of thing, like yeah, showing additional, um, I guess, uh, proof that someone would be the heir to an item you could almost say, uh, that it's like their right. birthright. And so Sabine kind of formed that bond, but she did surrender it to uh, the person who she believed would be the best leader of Mandalore, uh, and she had no interest in that just because she uh, formed a, kind of a, a semi-bond with the Kyber. She passed it on to Bo-Katan, um, who was the last person to wield it. She was the leader of Mandalore, and we know nothing of what happens um, I- at that specific point. Um, between the original trilogy timeline, what happens on Mandalore. So we know a little bit before they were kind of fighting and pushing back against the empire and Bo-Katan held the dark saber and was uh, leading the factions. but in the decade prior to this show or like the seven years prior to this show, some really bad shit happens on Mandalore that we're going to definitely find out more about because how does Moff Gideon get this dark saber? Uh, He's basically pillaged. uh, It would be like him coming out and wearing the crown of the King of England and being like, well, clearly you killed the King of England.
1: Well, exactly. And it's a really good way to, um, preempt a specific personal beef between our main hero and our main villain in this series like already it's set up why they might have um a specific other than just the fact that they're like at odds and they both want the child uh clearly there is some like background uh some history not maybe between uh he and din although it's not impossible um but certainly between uh and Din's culture, and so that's going to be really interesting. As for the the dark powers, is it specifically different from a lightsaber traditionally? Like I know visually, nope. it looks like kind of more like a scimitar.
0: Yeah, it's not different. Uh, it has uh, very similar properties to the way a lightsaber would act. It's um, an even more outlandish design and less practical, but um, super fucking cool. <laughs> uh, and oh yeah, the black color. It looks like they are going to be introducing more. Um, not necessarily a similar blade shape, but uh, similar kyber cores in the High Republic. So maybe like black light style lightsabers where it's a little bit inversed, which is this what it's kind of like as opposed to the white core, a little bit like white on the outside.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's very, very cool. cool.
0: Um, I do have a bit of a theory though, after um, watching this particular episode, uh, and I know it's a, it's also based a little bit on race as well, but... I think Moff Gideon might be a Mandalorian.
1: Yeah, that works
0: by blood. Um, I think okay. there's a chance that he was like he was uh, part of the Mandalorians who followed the Empire um, and per- like, did some form of coup in some way, shape, or form to help um, undermine what the Mandalorians have, and were potentially was the reason to drive them underground. Uh, initially, when he was cast, it made sense because of the um, it, the. I guess kind of like Giancarlo um, Esposito is, is, is. I guess he's Hispanic or his Latin, has Latin roots. I don't know where his roots are particularly, but um, it definitely fits with others' uh, depictions of how Mandalorians have looked as well. Uh, And I don't know, it it intrigues me and it makes sense because how fucking else does he get this thing and how does he have any um, need to wield it or understanding of how to wield it? Is he force sensitive? Is that why he's um, drawn to it in that way, shape, or form? Probably not, but it's kind of interesting. Well
1: let me build on this a little bit because I was kind of wondering, you know, uh, Gideon is generationally older than our Mandalorian. Mm. And in the flash, in the flashback, when young boy, Din has, has just kind of been separated from his parents and he's just about to be rescued and taken in by the Mandalorians. And he's, uh, the little hatch is opened up and standing above him is a very classic looking Mandalorian. So Mm. similar armor to the armor that he'll eventually wear, similar to the Fets, even more so, specifically because it's got that weird antenna coming off of the helmet. Uh, And this is, whoever it was, this is the Mandalorian who brought our Mandalorian into um, the Creed. And what if they build that into the story? Like what if the specific Mandalorian who brought him in is Moff Gideon, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. And that actually does fit right in with what my theory is, is because the people who uh, come to rescue him are Death Watch. And they're the war-first-ask-questions-later uh, yeah. faction of Mandalorian culture. And they uh, kind of, like, live off a little bit in seclusion on one of the moons of Mandalore because they're so—they're um, just—they're they're extremists. And they're so a brute would, squad. Yeah, it would, it would, so it would make sense for him to uh, feel the part of the Mandalorian creed, but become disillusioned with the clan that he was brought in by, and so that could be kind of an interesting way to go about it, um, and maybe like, and it would add extra to what's the name of the show, The Mandalorian. That's the Mandalorian right. being a foundling, he's not from Mandalore, so the Mandalorian is a Dingeron, is B Baby Yoda. And maybe the main villain is the Moth. Like maybe they're all, like maybe he's the only one who's Mandalorian by race, but the other two are the real Mandalorians. And so it's, it adds even additional layers to uh, the title, which is something I I of course like.
1: This is the episode where they actually kind of explicitly state that uh, to be a Mandalorian is not so much a race as it is a creed. And it, it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way just because they treat it like it's a big reveal. And to me, that was just kind of presumptive. I never really thought of it necessarily as a, like a specific species, anyway. Do you agree, yeah. to, or at least you understand?
0: Yeah. Um, it it is a race, but at the same time, like I, I understand, like that it is also a creed. Like it, uh, I think that also comes in a way to the way Death Watch are. Uh, so Death Watch, you would almost say they would view themselves as mandalorians by what they perceive the creed to be and anyone born on the planet of mandalore uh they would almost reject if they were pacifists and say well you're not mandalorians because the creed trumps the race and so almost like a foundling it doesn't matter where you come from you can still be uh and that also fits very nicely with uh ray skywalker as well um in terms of the sure. the the found yeah. families and which has become a big theme within Star Wars and always has been but is something that has of course been blown to much larger proportions with the sequel trilogy so um it i mean i think i think it definitely makes uh, a lot of sense in that regard and i think it would be really cool if they had some extra kind of mandalorian roots tying them back
1: okay i want to talk about IG11 i think it's so interesting that Taika Waititi who directed this episode allowed himself his character to be the hero twice in this mm. episode and in a really big way <laughs> like, Yeah, both times in a like a really like plot changing way he was the most heroic person in the season finale as the director of the episode and by the way yeah. i'm for it because i love ig11 especially as a nurse droid i love taika as a director and a creator in general uh marks across the board full marks
0: oh yeah absolutely i have no take backs in this episode it's my favorite episode of the season uh, and I think Taika kills it across the board, and I want him back for more uh, directing projects, and I hope he does the voice of all IG droids uh, for any time they need to be reused. But uh, he does make himself the hero. Baby Yoda is the hero, protecting them from the big fireball, but it also, like, when, Mandal- sure. when Din's hurt, you just assume Baby Yoda is going to heal him, but then he has to protect them with the fireball, and then he's all tuckered out and sleepy, and so he's not able to.
1: Plus, it's not as clearly established at that point that they're family like that's the next scene where they're like okay you're his dad now so you're good but like they kind of needed to save that until afterward
0: true i guess that's true in the sense of having that extra moment like when he hugs mando's leg in the final scene which is so adorable i actually have so many like winning moments uh so let me just go through some of those Um, well i just wanted to
1: say one more thing about ig11 and specifically specifically that scene with din where the helmet comes off and he's like we're locked in and all through this season he's been um Prejudice about droids and that's an interesting character trait about him. Mm. And I also understand that he's really rigid about uh, the Mandalorian um, Policies, but I find it a little dense that he's like no you can't take off my helmet droid No living thing can see me without my helmet. Yeah, it's like it's you've been a Mandalorian for how long and you've never thought of the droid loophole
0: Yeah, that that one I, I agree. That's a little weird But he also he just had his bell rung pretty good as Cara Dune would say (laughs) <laughs> um, so I don't know it makes sense that he's not really thinking that clearly uh, because sure we're enough. right on that specific point I have to go to some of the the really good lines because IG-11 has so many um, so to nurse and protect I think is a, an amazing it could be a great title for the episode as well um, sure. what is your main fo- to nurse and protect um, I am not a living thing watch your feet it's molten lava
1: um, <laughs> I didn't catch that, that's so good
0: Oh yeah, that's a great one uh, And you will live, and I will have served my purpose And I think, that's, I think that's just a really sweet line And then there's the two amazing exchanges Between him and Din uh, There's yeah. nothing to be sad about I have never been alive, I'm not sad Yes you are, I'm a nurse droid, I've analyzed your voice <laughs> uh, This is back to spray It will heal you a matter of hours You have suffered damage to your central processing unit You mean my brain? That was a joke. It was meant to put you at ease. <laughs> so I think that like, it, he's, he's just—he's got such great Star Wars humor. I don't think, uh, it in any way, shape, or form, doesn't fit perfectly in the episode. I, I love the uh, the entry, like the uh, the intro part as well with um, uh, Jason Sudeikis and Adam Pally. Uh, did you not just well, hear yes, the Moff ex- Gideon killed a dozen for- of his own troopers just to make a
1: point? <laughs> I like it too. It's really good comedy. I liked it the first time. I won't say I didn't like it as much the second time. But once you know it's Adam Pally and Jason Sudeikis, it's really hard not to hear them, especially Sudeikis. You're like, oh, that's, that's true. just Jason. That's just, yeah, that's just Jason Sudeikis. That's just his Joe Biden. And it's, it's fine because they're supposed to be kind of numbskulls. And by the way, I wish that Star Wars would pick a lane on whether or not stormtroopers are good at aim because that joke existed for years and then they walked it back and they're like no 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 stormtroopers are good soldiers and then they continue to throw in all these like when did they walk that back haven't you and i had that discussion before about how like stormtroopers uh canonically well i mean first of all um the clone wars certainly clone troopers are good aim
0: Yes, because clone troopers were bred and they were built off of Jango Fett's DNA. So the problem is to show that storm... No, but like uh, the, I can kind of just explain. Stormtroopers in particular, like the white stormtroopers that we see during the Imperial Era and ultimately the First Order Era as well, um, are indoctrinated and poorly trained by individuals from the Empire. Uh, the brotherhood that was developed through the clone army was what allowed them to succeed and the fact that they were bred to be of Jango Fett's um, kind of lineage and the the, Kamino, the Kaminoans are excellent cloners. They ultimately didn't have good lifespans, so they had excellent quality for a shorter period of time. And that's why the Emperor switched over. They were ultimately never able to train standard stormtroopers very well. But those who were of different levels were higher quality. So for example, the Death Troopers, uh, they were excellent soldiers. Uh, the standard white stormtroopers, the scout troopers, these guys really kind of do suck. They're not that good at all. They they're, they have terrible aim. They just mentioned the the stormtrooper with the Bill Burr thing. I wasn't a stormtrooper wise ass. Um, the Rise of Skywalker, the stormtroopers don't hit anything. <laughs>
1: I guess I'm just I guess I'm just kind of sick of the joke and and I know I of course I understand that clone troopers and stormtroopers are not the same thing. And I know it's technically in the text and I don't really want to relitigate whether or not the prequels are good movies. No. But I don't think to the layman it was clearly enough said that all the stormtroopers aren't clones. And no. I think that's problematic because we go back to this prequel trilogy and suddenly we're expected to be Uh, Terrified by this army of what we always thought were bumbling oafs And so it did kind of feel like it went back and forth to me And plus they're just making the same inside joke Based on essentially a meme that was created before memes And I'm kind of over it Yeah, I mean that's
0: fair I thought it was kind of funny uh, And I thought I I enjoyed the entire sequence I loved the sequence of IG-11 and Baby Yoda Flying through the town and just wrecking shop And Baby
1: Yoda laughing along, loving life okay well and and as long as we're talking about uh stormtroopers um certainly that moment where IG11 takes out those two guys, but even more so, the armorer after the heroes oh, yeah. had left and she single-handedly uh takes out maybe like six stormtroopers we have never seen such brutality uh in maybe in Star Wars like the way their their uh, armor just like uh crushes like an egg. Yeah, in her hand. Like it's like and she throws one guy into the fire and that was mercy. That guy got yeah. the most merciful death of any of them.
0: Oh, absolutely. It was um, a moment that very clearly uh, I've talked about it recently with all the Colin Trevorrow stuff. The clay pigeon moment where with Chewie throwing up a Knight of Wren and skeet shooting him. And like th- so the way that the the hammer goes into the helmet of the stormtrooper and like that that just rocking shatter of the helmet. It's just yeah. so destructive. And it's like representative of think of that as also like the skull. And that's what I mean, that's what the helmets are designed to semi-look like. So it's oh it's it's a it's a badass moment. And she just Without a sweat and just ends up in a complete badass pose. She, in every way, shape, and form, is, I think, gonna have a, uh, as big of a role next season. I think there'll be a, a, an arc with that character.
1: She's also just really valuable and she has been for the entire season. She's been really good for uh, tidy exposition. Just like, yeah. give us some background knowledge. about. Yeah, well, exactly. In, in the way like um, Maz Kanata is, it's just like, oh, great, now I know a little more and it wasn't compromising to the story at all. And this mm. person's cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Baby Yoda peeking out of the sack was a super cute moment. Um, it was yeah. it was it was hard to watch them uh, punching Baby Yoda though. Um, yeah, and the little squeals Twice, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Moff Gideon uh, has a, such a badass cape.
1: Yes, yes, he looks very cool. He
0: just looks cool in every way. Uh, he's got an awesome uniform, and like you said before, his uh, just cool and calm demeanor. Um, some of his lines, your astute panic suggests that you understand your situation. I would prefer to avoid any further violence and encourage a moment of consideration. The structure you are trapped in will be raised in short order and your storied lives will come to an unceremonious end. If you're asking if yeah. you can trust me, you cannot burn them out. I mean, these are just like Whoa. so many, like just cut lines and there's not a single like bit of fat in anything he says
1: and then in come the flame troopers who are pretty traditional looking but they have like red stripes on their masks and at least just the glance i got it kind of reminded me of like when a lion has been eating a gazelle and there's blood all over its face like these stormtroopers just suddenly look so much scarier that's
0: a really good comparison that's a really yeah. good comparison. I, it draws me into the paint schemes of the Clone Wars. Um, that's yeah. that's what makes me think. Of, but like, when it comes to the design, yeah, absolutely. That's a disgusting way of thinking about it. But abs- like the blood just dripping from your mouth, for sure. Um, uh,
1: do you want to do some quotes or some trivia? we got to get to all of it.
0: Uh, let's finish off the quotes. I don't have, actually have that many okay. more. Uh, so let me just go through the ones that I haven't gotten to. Uh, Kara. Yeah, the sewers are good, Like with actual enthusiasm. Um, Mandalorian isn't a race, it's a creed.
1: Um, Let me have a warrior's death, I won't leave you. This is the way, he got in a good, this is the way in this episode.
0: Yep. Uh, No, it's kind we're enemies, but this individual is not. You expect me to search the galaxy for the home of this creature and deliver it to a race of enemy sorcerers? Yeah. Um,
1: How about... uh, come on baby do the magic hand thing yeah hey
0: <laughs> let's make the baby do the magic hand thing <laughs> um some of my favorite people are bounty hunters
1: <laughs> oh i didn't hear that was oh yeah that, really that was a good line? line
0: um or maybe it'll take oh, no, care he of does you say
1: he says it to yeah he says it to
0: Kara. yeah or maybe it'll take care of you um and then the why don't you hang on to that the little exchange between din and baby yoda at the end is very cute
1: Just to punctuate our ongoing conversation about how this show aesthetically so mirrors video games Mm. uh, in that big shootout in the first act of this episode. It is such a traditional video game and specifically Star Wars video game mechanic to get to the big gun to kill all the enemies so you can escape. Yep. Like that's specifically a thing you have to do in Star Wars video games and they do it right here in this plot And I it's almost like we've seen so much of this tradition through this season that I have to think is deliberate that it's like Yeah, this is a great way to to punctuate it at the end of the season. Yeah, he even gets the jetpack Yeah, yeah, the, and now and you get to like that is that gonna Is, is the jetpack gonna cause him trouble because traditionally they're not they're not always a friend to the to at the some point It will soldier. at
0: some point it'll cause sure. him some trouble uh, yeah, I sure as shit has. I hope it has nothing to do with his death when it eventually happens.
1: You think he'll die
0: eventually? You know, all characters that are main characters in Star Wars will
1: die. Sure, but it would be weird for him to die in his own show. Hmm, may not. It might be better for him to like be an old man in Episode Ten and he dies a hero or something.
0: Yeah, I mean it'll, it'll be interesting, but in some medium they'll be able to kill him probably. <laughs> I guess that's probably
1: so. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you some trivia questions. Uh, a Padawan question: What is Cara Dune's full name?
0: Cara Cynthia Dune. She's from Alderaan. That's correct. Where's she from? Yeah, Alderaan. she's from Alderaan. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, a very peaceful, peaceful planet.
1: And it gives her motivation as well. Like her background kind of indicates why she's so hardcore about the politics of this galaxy. Hell yes, absolutely. All of her people were killed. How did she survive? Do you know? Where was she? Well, she was off planet. She States. was a rebel shock trooper,
0: so it would have made sense that she was doing other things like Leia was. Uh, she could have right. been at the Battle of Scarif. Who knows?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, I've come around on her. I still think she's a little, she's a little one-dimensional, but...
0: Uh, you're right that she's, she's definitely the NPC sidekick. It's excellent, the comparison. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I like her as a character. Uh what position okay. does the disgraced grief cargo hold?
1: What position does he hold? Oh, I don't know. Position with whom? Uh assuming the empire.
0: I don't know. A magistrate.
1: What is a magistrate?
0: Um essentially like a, like a four-hire sheriff or a ward like kind of like a which is essentially what he is. It's just, he does bounty hunters as opposed like it's, he's a, he's a, he's a seedier version of what he professionally was.
1: He does kind of have a bit of a sheriff vibe, except for that. He's also kind of off the books and kind of corrupt.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. Um, and that's why, cause it's part of Moff Gideon's, um, flaunting that the knowledge that he has
1: of each of them. Jedi Knight question. Uh, what was Moff Gideon's role during the purge?
0: Oh, Moff Gideon's role during the purge. Oh, fuck. I know this.
1: So this might actually uh, negate our theory that he was a Mandalorian during those days, right? Uh, We don't know when the purge was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, It's an
0: I something something officer. It's three letters. Correct. Yeah
1: an ISB officer I was going to guess ISO
0: they, so I would have had two of the three letters
1: It stands for Imperial Security
0: Bureau Yeah I knew I knew it was imperial something obviously but uh okay an right. ISB officer Um what type of gun does does Gideon uh use uh, or bring out and threaten them with
1: I didn't notice if he used a gun Does he have like a like a pistol No no the the big the, the gun Oh, like the big cannon? Yeah, the big gun. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know there was anything to 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 take from it. Uh, it's an e-web heavy repeating blaster. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have guessed that.
0: Now, Cara <laughs> Cynthia Dune could tell you about it. Why is that? Well, that's Just what he starts out. Like... By. That's why he says, like he 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 starts oh. out. This is an e-web um, heavy repeating blaster. Um if you don't know about it, Car Cynthia Dune of Alderon can tell you about it cuz clearly it was used on her friends or they said it was used on her friends.
1: I don't know if this was actually said in the episode, but uh I found it in uh I was Wikipedia or something. What do Mandalorian's nickname jetpacks? Jet oh. Um Or at least what do they name this jetpack, I guess? I don't know, wings? It's called a rising phoenix, which is, ah,
0: yeah, yeah, phoenix, that, that's a commonly, that's a commonly used thing associated with the rebels, to be honest, um, but actually Sabine was the one they find out, uh, Sabine, I think, painted the, like, was the initial crest creator for the rebellion phoenix,
1: and she's a Mandalorian, so who knows, maybe there's some connection there. I find there's a little bit of uh, inconsistency. I, I, this just came into my head. We can get back to the trivia in a second. But I find there's a little bit of inconsistency with Baby Yoda's power and when he chooses to wield it. Like, towards the end of the episode, somebody tells Din, uh, he'll die without you. And I kind of wonder if that's true because he could fend for himself. He's extremely powerful. Or take the opening sequence where he's being punched by the O'Fish Fish stormtroopers. Like, he could definitely, like, crush their skulls with his mind he i mean he's tiny but he he could probably fend for himself but he doesn't understand what's going on
0: i guess he has no situational like understanding or awareness it's purely a matter of impulse and instinct so like an animal uh he would maybe be able to survive if you left him on sorghum because there was frogs sure. around that he could be able to go out and find and eat and so like <laughs> potentially like if you left him in a bog um but if you Left him on Navarro on like a lava plant. Like I, I think he, I, I think you have to kind of treat him a little bit like a frog um, in his current state. That he could survive depending on the environment by himself. Um, he could protect himself, but he couldn't provide and he couldn't survive on his own. Probably someone, someone was right. looking after him when they were keeping him in um, as a prize on uh, Arvala Seven for some reason.
1: Do you have any more trivia questions? You didn't give me a master question yet.
0: Uh master question. Uh, what arm of Mandalorian culture raised Din?
1: Oh, did they say? I know they did. I don't know. The fighting corpse. Okay. The fighting corps. What does that mean? So that, that just means he's more of a badass than some?
0: Yeah, and that lends additional um, credence to the Death Watch finding him uh, in the sense that he was bred specifically to be a fighter during times of pacifism in mandalore and so if he was bred to be a fighter during times of pacifism then it further cements his position um with death watch but then again with death watch the first wielder of the darksaber my other um legend question or master question which i didn't i won't ask you but uh the first the person who created the darksaber And so Host Visla, which um, Paz Visla, which was the big heavy infantry mando that John Favreau voiced, um, and John Favreau voiced Pre-Visla, who was a descendant of Tar Vizsla, who wielded the dark Saber before Darth Maul killed him. Uh, but essentially, uh, this being um, if Death Watch was the one who found Din, then Death Watch being Visla associated like a, like a Visla, like if he was found by Host Visla then it would potentially make sense for him to be the heir of the Darksaber. Okay. Even though it would be his adopted right, it wouldn't be. Right. But that would potentially, like, if he was the only one of his hosts continuing a true Mandalorian culture and creed, then he would be the one who was the heir if he was um, willing to lead Mandalore. Or.
1: And is he alive in this timeline? Is he still out there?
0: No, Tarvisla like that like uh, he was probably of the old Republic era. It's a passed okay. down era. Oh, I see. I see.
1: And so you say that uh, Moff Gideon is he was in the Death Watch
0: as a Mandalorian. It, it, we don't know if Moff Gideon was a Mandalorian, but oh, if I he see. was hey, a Mandalorian, he definitely would have been part of Death Watch.
1: They say in this episode, uh, and I don't know if I realized this before this episode, uh, but that the legend is that he was executed for war crimes. So people are aware of him as a historical figure, but they think Mm. that he's dead. He like faked his death. So how has he like retained power uh, within the galaxy if he's trying to like fly under the radar, so to speak? He's a moth
0: and it's his part of the galaxy. So it's been... I guess believed in other parts of the galaxy, but that's because he spun that tale so that people leave his corner alone. Um, right. So that's likely the the yarn he's been spinning, and that's why Kara thinks that. But that's because he's decided that he's the he's the marshal of his own territory.
1: Um, <laughs> and the only other thing I wanted to say about this episode, and it's such a tiny thing, um, but when they first get into the fire gondola. There's already a droid aboard and it's an R2 droid, you hate but this. it appears to have been it's been modified to have long arms and legs, I guess so it can row or something. And I don't have any like I don't have any um mature reason for not liking mm-hmm. the R2 U two R 2 2 unit with arms and legs, but I hate it. I just don't like looking at it. It's like how some people feel about spiders. No, that's fine. I I have nothing against it whatsoever, but I, I think it
0: looks kind of funny, and I think it's appropriate for a backwater kind of planet like, to have something like that.
1: It'd be like if a baby had muscles. I'm like, what's <laughs> happening? <there? laughs>
0: well, let's face it. Baby Yoda's got some muscles.
1: I guess. I guess underneath that little sack. Flexing those brain muscles. <laughs> anything else? Anything else you want to say about the, the season of Mandalorian overall? Um, I mean, it was really awesome.
0: Uh, I have my rankings here. I'd say episode eight then episode 3 then episode 7 then episode 2 then episode 1 then episode 6 then episode 4 then episode 5 and so i think this is okay. probably my favorite episode it was called redemption was the name of it
1: um, and what is being redeemed here
0: mandalorians i don't know maybe this maybe all the things we've theorized that that title will mean a lot more make a lot more sense it could be redeeming what guess. the imperials did to the other mandalorians um, it could be redemption for him as an individual, now finally getting his signet and forming a family with the uh, the creature that he was supposed to continue his scummy life by what is trading the off.
1: Significance, what is the significance of this little horned medallion that he trades between Kara and Baby Yoda, and then he gets back in the end? It looks like some Ed Hardy garbage, if I'm oh. honest. It's, um, it's the same thing that hangs above, uh, which
0: was another one of my questions. Um, what, how, does Mandal- how does Din usually enter the Mandalorian Caves?
1: And I don't know. Through the bazaar. Is bizarre. it with that? It's a
0: key? Through the bazaar. Oh, okay. But like, there's a specific yeah. part um, earlier when he enters through there. They have that same skull hanging over the entrance. So it's just a little like uh, medallion on a chain of the skull of, of um, the mythosaur.
1: Oh okay. Oh yeah. right, the mythosaur. Yeah,
0: so it's it's the it's the symbol of the Mandalorian people.
1: Okay, are we good for this episode? Uh, yeah, I'd say the only other
0: thing is I'm really curious to know about what Moth Gideon was talking about with the Night of a Thousand Tears. Um, yeah. But that was definitely uh, was something we're going to be going back to in uh, some way, shape, or form. Because that for sure. sounds like it was a pretty fucked up time. <laughs>
1: Well, we will find out and we won't have to wait as long for this season as we will for a lot of shows in mm. 2020. So, thank Absolutely. God. Absolutely. Let's oh. talk about the, uh, the news.
0: Uh, okay, sure. Um, let's see what's in the news. So, uh, Disney Plus finally launched in the UK. So, they're finally seeing The Mandalorian, which feel bad for them. That took an awful long time. Yeah. Um, I'm just
1: asking people to rip it off.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh Michael Bine or Bean, I don't remember, I don't know how to spell his name. Um, he's from Terminator and Tombstone. He's supposed to play a bounty hunter from Din's Past in Mandalorian Season 2. Okay. Um he hasn't really been in anything recently, so it's almost like I think like him, Nick Nolte. Like it makes me think that John Favreau, when he wrote this, maybe he wrote this in like the late 90s and uh, penciled in who he wanted for characters and then had to rearrange them afterwards. <laughs> but it was that like, oh, I weird. still want him for a bit part because this guy's not been in anything recently. And so
1: it's just a... Well, maybe he's a theater actor, though. Maybe he's been doing other things.
0: Uh, possibly. Uh, but I just I, f- I feel like they are using a lot of people who you could have cast at any point since Star Wars was created. Like, they've been in the business... It-
1: and relevant and would have been reasonable casts at that time which i mean fuck it works it's great this is certainly true for nick nolte and what's his name who plays grief cargo these are not really they're not really relevant actors they're great and i wouldn't recast them having seen it i think they're perfect oh absolutely but uh but they are strange choices here in in the 21st century
0: yeah no without a doubt um, and then the much, much, much bigger uh, season two casting bit of news is Rosario Dawson with Ahsoka Tano in season two, and so this is huge, huge Star Wars news. This is like one of the biggest things since Rise of Skywalker came out. The rise, the title of like this is massive, massive Star Wars news, and so this is very cool. There's potential that it's going to be a backdoor pilot. Uh, for an Ahsoka series, that's being thrown out there. We have no idea what capacity she will be in it, but uh, Rosario Dawson will be our live-action Ahsoka Tana.
1: I mean, this is a pretty famous person, like... It doesn't seem to me she wants to come into this just for, like, a quick little bit part in season two of The Mandalorian. Like, this is an investment of time. Uh She's very well liked by the Star Wars community, by the looks of things. Like, that. I've, I've really... It's a rare situation where there's a bit of, like, nerdy pop cultural news. And the response is almost entirely positive. Like, she has a good rapport with the culture. And... and um well, at least the likeness is 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 really positive.
0: Yeah. Well, let me let me get into like some of this stuff. So, it was something she brought up a few years ago. Someone uh, did like a someone tweeted about it and said that she should play Ahsoka. She said that was really cool. Uh, I thought that was a cool idea. Then someone did some fan art and she like retweeted it because she thought it looked awesome. And then she was asked. I've, I've an seen inter- that. And then she was asked in interviews about it. And she, like, would you ever want to be in like something like Star Wars? And she mentioned, like, oh, uh, people have on the internet always brought up about uh, the Ahsoka Tano thing. And like, so she would actively like was talking about the character and the interest in the part and a lot of different things. And so that was phenomenal. Uh, and has been rumored to be a reasonable casting for it. Now, if you look up pictures of it, you'll see this dis stupid, creepy, white-eyed version of Rosario Dawson looking like Ahsoka Tano, um, where she has, like, the milky white eyes of Emperor Palpatine for no reason whatsoever. It's like the person did Photoshop (laughs) and never looked at a picture of Ahsoka. Um, But if you look and find ones that actually have human-colored eyes, it really, really looks excellent. And I think that she'll be able, with the right makeup and um, practical effects, to make this work. The voice of Rosario Dawson... Uh, I think can fit with Ahsoka Uh, The odds of it being Ashley X9 Ashley X9 came out and said that um, I'm an actress and I've performed in all types of mediums uh, Live action, theater, voiceover uh, And it's been a dream come true uh, Doing Ahsoka Tano for the last 14 years And I'll continue to be grateful for the opportunities To create stories for Ahsoka Tano And I'm always happy to have her legacy continue I'm only one member of the tremendously talented team of people That brings Ahsoka to life Uh, The final decisions for Ahsoka are not mine to make And I cannot comment on something that I truly Really know nothing about. So she's not involved in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but people were kicking up a bit of a stink about Ashley Eckstein not being involved because she was someone who was so heavily involved with the character uh, and it's been so synonymous. And then some people have also been up and a kind of kicked up a stink about something that's really hard, really weird and hard to kind of get a grasp on. Uh, Rosario Dawson's kind of been implicated in a hate crime. And oh shit. Yeah. and Kind of, like, I don't know a whole lot. Maybe looks a little guilty.
1: Um, so that doesn't look great. Uh, but at the same time... Do you want to shed any light, or should we should we just, like, leave that to our own researching?
0: Yeah, you know, I'd leave it to your own researching. It's um, a transgendered uh, hate crime, and it was oh, against her and family members. Um, and so there it, there could be some truth to it. There could be zero truth to it. Uh, there could be zero truth to her involvement. There could be um, like because she's the famous one. Then like ultimately, maybe that was why they were like. There's, so there's potential that this is like innocent until proven guilty. However, if she is guilty, she's
1: a monster. Uh, but is it dredging up the past or is it like a recent?
0: No, she hasn't uh, been charged. Like she, she's she's it's like it's going through the the ringer, I guess, or whatever. But then again, at the same time, okay. she's also dating Cory Booker, so yeah, it, it, it there's some things that don't add up, and Disney can't be that stupid, like to not like like she's in the mid, like she's implicated, and like it just doesn't make sense for the research to not have been done, and so I'm hoping that it's fine. However, there have been some right. people who are involved with Lucasfilm um, in ways, shapes, and forms, whether they're authors for other mediums. Who uh, have posted excitement and then posted follow ups of, well, I'm learning a little bit of information that Rosario Dawson might be a terrible person, so I'm curious about how this changes my excitement. Uh, so, like, there's it's TBD as to whether or not that uh, she might be a bad person, uh, and that would suck, of case. But um, if she's a, if if that's not true, um, and let's act as if it is because we don't know. Uh, If that's not true, then I think this is really good news. I think the casting's excellent, uh, and I think the fit works. Um, And, I mean, she can be replaced if that is true. But ultimately, I think bringing the character live action is really important. Uh, I think it's something that uh, can have people... It kind of bridges the gap between a new and an old. I think it brings, it not not I think, it definitely brings opportunities for you to bring Thrawn live action, which excites me, Ezra live action, yeah. Sabine. Sabine just makes a fuck ton of sense because it's she's a Mandalorian and the last time we see Ahsoka is with Sabine. So it's just a lot of things that make a ton of sense for it to work. Um, and it, especially with having baby Yoda, who's going to train this creature, it, it makes sense for Ahsoka to be that one. Uh, we found out the Moff Gideon gets in a lightsaber duel, or not a lightsaber duel, but he he gets in a fight using his lightsaber in season two, um, which some people assumed meant lightsaber on lightsaber. I did not, but now have a, definitely a higher belief that it could be that, now that someone well, wielding uh, lightsabers me, could be in the just, season.
1: Let me just back up, because you covered a lot of ground right there. Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, I... I don't i can't speak to whether or not rosario Dawson whether she's a good person I, it doesn't matter we'll find out i guess exactly as, as the days go by i'd rather assume that they've made a good decision in their casting i'm not too familiar with her as an actor anyway but i'm i'm curious to be should it be the right decision she's as been in a lot of geek Ashley stuff Eckstein. and has passion about the stuff okay. she's
0: been involved in which is a nice thing to see so i would hope yeah
1: As for Ashley Eckstein, uh, I I think what she said in that statement is very diplomatic and very professional. Uh, I think that's Mm. exactly what she should say. I'm I'm saddened for her if she feels excluded on something so transformative for the character that obviously she has been paramount uh in in developing and i certainly hope moving forward at the very least she has an opportunity to consult for the character in live action maybe even do a little vocal affectation cuz i think that's a really good way to sell this is the same character that you know from the animated series even if she is a live action actor and i don't know what she looks like in person i barely know what she sounds like in person but even if she is it it has the decision in casting her physically has to be more than she's done a great job voicing her. It it has Mm -hmm. to, they have to look at more than that. They have to get somebody who's athletic and and just in every way will visually evoke the sensation that she was able to bring to life vocally. And I'm not saying she couldn't play her physically, but it would be pretty extraordinary if she's voiced her for 14 years. And by the way, they're identical looking.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of ways in which you could have gone with it you could have gone the Darth Maul route and you could have hired a nobody and had her voice the character, and then you have no issues whatsoever. And then you can have somebody who's a physical badass and it, it works. Um, yep. You could have gone, like, and you mentioned even still, like, uh, that um, Rami Malik's voice was mixed with Freddie Mercury's at points um, yep. for parts of Bohemian Rhapsody, which is extremely cool. And if you could involve Ashley Eckstein in a way that the voice is fifty-fifty. Then I mean, that's bloody perfect. Uh, that's a lot. That's hiring somebody extra and a lot of extra work. Especially seeing Rosario Dawson's uh, a name. The odds of that are extremely small, but it would be a very cool way of, like you said, making us feel familiar with the character as well. Uh, it will feel a little weird though, but because we know Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka, we expect it. It's not like we're like, well, is that the Ahsoka we know? Well, we ha- we know it's coming now. And right. the reveal, even if we didn't know it was coming, would be done in a way that it would be so clearly in a a reveal that you would know it was indeed Ahsoka because of the way that they they went about it. And so uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Is It is definitely a shame for Ashley Eckstein, but it, it, it's what you have to do. Uh, in some of the behind-the-scenes stuff for The Rise of Skywalker, Adam Driver talks about... Um, the sense of ownership over the physicality of Kylo that he has. And he won't let people, he he wouldn't allow them to use um, a stunt person. Um, So very, 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 very minimal stunt work done by um, his stunt person in Rise of Skywalker or or anything because of the fact that most of the acting he does as Kylo Ren is in the physicality of his performance um, and that he feels that it's important. And so it's really interesting when you have someone like, um Din Jaren, who in the suit, more often than not, is Brendan Wayne, uh, as opposed to um Pedro Pascal. And so yeah. it's very different, like the I guess the arguments you can make towards uh the physicality of the performance versus the the the, the voice of the performance but uh, it gives them a lot of options. Uh, I'm honestly surprised, very surprised that this is the one that was chosen, um, but it's the one that I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think I think it's yep, good. No, I, and The I, internet I it. wanted it, and the internet got it.
1: But I think you have to service the character and the production first and foremost. And so, like on the one hand, it's like it's it's very respectable that adam driver was like no i want to have full control over the physicality of kylo ren and certainly he did like such a good job with it and and not just in that he control a lightsaber like we saw how his like his head looks like a different shape when he becomes ben solo again like mm-hmm. he did something miraculous with his physicality in that movie uh and so and so i i give him that respect but on the other hand um we see this with like tom cruise or we see it with uh, apparently Pedro Pascal and and Brandon Wayne. Like, I, I think I think the latter instance is a better example of. Well, he can do it better than me, and the audience won't know. Mm. I want the show to be good, and that is the thing that you have to put forward. And so, I think that's something Ashley Eckstein is unfortunately a victim of in this situation. Like, we yeah. need to make the show good first and foremost, and we love you and thank you for all you've done. See you on Monday, but this isn't your gig right now
0: yep yep and that and that's absolutely true and uh, I think it, it'll be interesting because if there is another animated show in The Hopper, it would almost be it, it would probably be a little bit of a knife in the gut Ashley time I was thinking oh maybe i'll get maybe I'll get more work and then doesn't. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, that's but true. maybe she is. Maybe Ahsoka is part of the other show. Maybe this is a cross between animation and live action. Maybe this is uh, like it, uh, maybe Rosario Dawson's only doing like a couple episodes, but that it's continued on. And Ashley Eckstein will do the voice and something else. So who knows? There's so many different and you're ways. You're still
1: in which pretty. You're still pretty sure they're probably going to do another animated show, which she could be in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm significantly less confident in it being based around that now. Um, But there was so many, there was a lot of smoke around them doing another show. And so, I mean, I assume they probably are. And it seems really, really weird if they weren't because they've got nothing listed on like in the hopper. And so I think they have to have something that's a hidden project that's gonna be coming out in fall. Like it was rumored, it just makes too much sense. But then I did hear rumors recently, um, or I heard, from people who are involved in the business, obviously, because I don't know anybody, um, but they were saying that they had heard through the grapevine that that wasn't actually the case, and that although everybody okay. thought this this animated show was going to involve like Ahsoka, that that's just not true, and so maybe it's something else entirely. Maybe it's maybe it's bloody Mark Hamill doing Luke Skywalker. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
1: That'd be interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. Okay, so uh, now, uh, any other news you want to talk about? There's got to be some other things
0: uh, Not a whole lot uh, The book came out for The Rise of Skywalker So I started reading that um, It's been interesting because I'll be able to kind of As we go through The Rise of Skywalker I'll be able to kind of flesh out a couple things That are talked about in a little bit more detail uh, It's good, it's really good so far uh, I've heard the first hour and a half uh, It takes about the first eight minutes of the movie is about an hour and a half of novel <laughs> Of audiobook Okay and so That's it's a good. nine and a half hour audiobook, and the first like eight minutes of the movie has become like an hour and a half of listening. And so the proportional parts that they expand upon is uh, is interesting, uh, and the part that they cut out on Mustafar, as much as it's cool, is completely unnecessary. And so it makes sense that they cut it out, but um, okay. it does seem a little weird that that there were certain parts that they really never intended to be much beefier. Uh, I think some of the Palpatine uh, scene was probably longer in a J.J. Um, script, but there's no additional real dialogue around it. It's just a little bit of extra exposition around what Kylo sees to further tell you that it's a clone, but not a whole lot extra. And it really does, it doesn't It does even go on to, like, the descriptions don't even say that, um, like, they describe the milky whiteness, and they describe that it's very clearly a, like a, a rotting cloned body, but they don't even describe that it looks like an un, um, an unelectrified Palpatine. So. Okay. Okay. Right. What else? Um, Greg Grunberg, who's like one of J.J.'s best friends, says that there, J.J. wasn't pressured to cut down the film and so that there is not a J.J. cut that was a J.J. preferred cut of the film. Uh, He uses his words carefully to basically indicate that there may have been a a three-and-a-half-hour cut of the movie. Um, However, that's not what, of course, the headlines people have stolen is. People are like, oh... Um, J.J. cut, not true Greg Grunberg Grunberg doesn't disprove that He just says that J.J. wasn't pressured Into cutting down the movie additionally But there very well could be a longer cut of the movie But it would have been with non-action sequences Because some of the production teams have come out to say That uh, about 90% of the action sequences and shots That were shot were used for the film and even like just any regular film, it's only about two thirds, three quarters at best. And so this one, I guess, they were they were much tighter on what they wanted and executing exactly what they wanted. And JJ had to do that because he had a shorter timeline for The Rise of Skywalker. Right. Uh okay. Not a whole lot else. Uh, the only other thing to say would be uh, in a novelization, um, Luke, sorry, not novelization, in a comic, Luke goes searching for his lightsaber on Bespin. Uh, Lando's really paranoid. They got to get out of there. And so Luke's got to leave it behind. But he kind of tells an Ugnaught what he was looking for. And uh, that Ugnaught find, keeps an eye out for it, finds it, sells it for a good price, and then eventually it ends up with Kanata.
1: So uh, we have a lot of really good birthdays uh, in the next couple of weeks. And assuming we take a week off between seasons, I want to make sure I get everybody uh, listed. Thursday, March 26th, the happy birthday to Kira Knightley, who, of course, is in the Star Wars family, though uh, as minimally as a person can be. Um, Sunday, the 29th, happy birthday to Amy Sedaris, whatever. Tuesday the 31st uh, to Ewan McGregor, and then Thursday the 2nd to Alec Guinness. So both Obi-Wans are within 48 hours of each other, birthday-wise, which is Very cool. Neat. And then also on Thursday, April 2nd, happy birthday to Pedro Pascal. It seemed like an appropriate one to wrap up this season on. Oh, absolutely. That's quite convenient. So uh, for God Cast One, I thought I would do something a little bit different uh, because we're all living our best self-isolation lives right now. And you and I are not in the same room right now. I should have said that a little earlier. Um, I figured uh, we could use this Got Cast One as an opportunity to uh, involve some of the great fictional um, characters of self-isolation. Um. Because Star Wars itself is a it features a lot of self-isolation. I mean, Obi-Wan and Luke and Yoda are Absolutely. all top five characters, all choose self-isolation. Even Rey chooses self-isolation, and it lasts for like 10 minutes in yep. The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> less even. Um, but it's something that they lean on in Star Wars. And so all four of these characters I've chosen here are extreme. You're going to hate all of them. Uh, I'm not asking you to choose one. I'm asking you to choose all of them. You just got to tell me how they're being used. And by the way, these are the characters not the actors who play them. Okay? Oh. You got to cast all of them. Okay. The bee- the Beast, The Grinch, Shrek, and Willy Wonka. Cast them in Star Wars. What? Yep. You I don't even do know what it. you mean. Okay, so like, like, uh, Shrek, he might like be a junk trader in, uh, Mosaspa or something. Okay. Um, but he's a, he's also in self-isolation. He's very cranky.
0: Well, yeah. Actually, that kind of works. Like an Unkar Plutt kind of character? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's make him uh, like an Unkar Plutt kind of character on uh, the other okay, side that of Takudana, free. which is Maz's planet. And so yep. him and Maz probably had some run-ins. Like they share a property line and he doesn't like that. And so he How gets about really beast? cranky. Uh, the Beast. Uh, the Beast. The Beast.
1: Romantic Phantom of the Opera type hero? Uh,
0: him and Chewbacca used to have a tag team wrestling team, and uh, they did underworld fights on Coruscant during the Imperial era to earn extra credits to buy food because both of their species were hard up and put into slavery.
1: See, now you're playing the game exactly how I want you to be playing. Perfect. It. Okay, ca- cast the Grinch.
0: Ah, the Grinch. Um... <laughs> On top of the mountain, stealing. Uh, so the Grinch is a pirate. Um, he is a loner pirate who hoards, uh, comes down in swoops, similar to the way that the um, Clutonians, um, uh, in episode four of The Mandalorian, attack the village in Sorgan. Um, But he okay. comes down one night a year uh, to, to raid the village. Uh, and uh, he steals all of the things that they own um, but he does it so swiftly that they don't even notice and so they need to bring in some Jedi to catch him and uh, he is then brought to justice as uh, as a thief as a pirate he's this is old school like uh, Jedi coming into like martial law
1: and uh, saving the day okay but here's my only nitpick with the word pirate pirates are nothing if not loyal they're not anarchists and specifically the Grinch, doesn't like community like specifically the Grinch more than any of these characters needs to not be a part of this group activity that's and that's not pirates
0: that's not true pirates are extremely selfish
1: no pirates are they're part of their crew yeah they're selfish but they're I think they're loyal to their crew and if nothing yes, else but he's they a one-man travel crew with their oh okay well he's not really a pirate then he's kind of a mercenary or like a um a vigilante or just a really f- fancy thief. Okay, he's a fancy thief. <laughs> okay, and this one's actually kind of fun. Cast Willy Wonka in Star Wars. Ah,
0: that is an interesting one. Does he have to have candy associations?
1: Um, I mean, no, but no, that but is he's what also he does best.
0: Yeah, but also, I guess, kind of what he produces, um, and that he's kind of a crazy person. I mean, he's,
1: he's, He's a businessman, right? He's an eccentric businessman. Yes.
0: He is he runs ex- a tight ship? Yes. Yeah, so so what Willy Wonka is is he is He he's a, he's a cleaner or uh he runs uh he runs sanitation services. Uh, You could say so he has a a very large operation distributing uh, sweets and candy and all kinds of goodies to the galaxy, but he is the galaxy's number one undercover spice runner and all of the Wonka treats will get you whacked out. You'll be an everlasting gobstopper. You will just be, he is a big spice lord. He's an eccentric spice lord. And if you get on his wrong side, he will blow you up.
1: Here's my only nitpick with that. Willy Wonka, though a uh, kind of a villainous criminal in ways, is also really obsessed with the rules. Don't forget, you stole fizzy lifting drinks, you broke the rules, you lose. Good day, sir. And I don't think being a spice runner is following the rules.
0: Yes, but he's got the rules of like the Italian mafia kind of style. The rules of the syndicates. The syndicates.
1: (laughs) Watch solo, Colin. (laughs) Come on. You're right. It was also against the rules to drop Veruca Salt down into that pit of knives or blow up uh, the other one. I don't know. What
0: exactly. See, he takes over Dryden Voss and Darth Maul's criminal Crimson Dawn Empire. And he creates it and calls it uh, Purple Dawn. Uh, and yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he brings in Prince uh, as his bodyguard. Got to get out of the house. Goodness gracious. Yes, we okay, do. Well, congratulations. You did it. You did it. OK, so... Um, Let's take a week off, then we'll come back and we'll start recapping I mean, the season of this podcast, we've been two years in the making (laughs) trying to recap Rise of Skywalker. So that'll come. Uh, Watch the first minutes of Rise of Skywalker and rejoin uh, in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, stay well, stay stay healthy. If you have any uh, comments on the podcast thus far, you can tweet us at Recorder66, email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. You may rate and review on your preferred podcast app, and we hope that you will. And until we are together again, may the force be with you.